2: Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are once again coming to you live from the great New York State Fair, 315-437-7644. If you'd like to give us a call, you can also text us on our text line, 315-288-0644. Just one guest lined up for you today, Mario Sacco, my colleague over at News Channel 9, our weekend sports anchor. He's set to join us here in about 15 minutes from now. Mario was at Dino Baber's press conference that just wrapped up a short time ago. We'll hear from Mario on what Dino had to say. Game week for the Orange. By this time, next Monday, Seth, we will have an actual game that's in the books that we, we won't will be, be able to talk about. about. It oh, that's right. It's, Labor, it's Day. Labor Day. But we still will have a game yes. in the books. You're right. We'll have to talk about, we'll it, talk about, on about it on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, But we are a few days away from the start of the 2018 season as Syracuse takes on Western Michigan yeah you're forgetting the big news of the weekend though you went curling i did go How curling did you- how did this go?
1: And and I think the biggest revelation here, Steve, is that ice is, in fact, slippery.
2: I knew you were going to give me a problem about that. Um, <laughs> How was I, it, though? Was it know, fun? Was it, like, like was it what you thought? Was it easy? It was very fun. It was not easy. And I stand by the statement. So if any of you happen to, to see the appearance on News Channel 9 at 5.05 on Friday, um, I said, as we were on the air, wow, this is slippery. It makes sense because ice is slippery. I stand by that, though. It was... It was very slippery and the gentleman that I was working with explained that the ice that they use the surface that they use for curling is different than the ice and right. the surface that they use for hockey. It is it's a it's a lot finer and it is for lack of a better term in, in layman's terms it is sli- you know it's it's more slippery than than that of of hockey ice. It it was not easy Um, apparently I'm a natural though, because as you saw, my, my second shot was pretty darn good. Um, and you know, I'm not, you know, patting myself on the back, but it was, uh, it was fun. We, we had a lot of fun doing it and, uh, you should try it sometime. I know you said you were interested in, in doing it, but, uh, yeah, we had a whole lot of fun. They got, they, they had, uh, it was free lessons, uh, for, three different hour-long segments throughout right. the day. So I got to them before the third segment. So in two hours prior to when I got there, they had 850 people come for free wow. lessons. And they, they said they've noticed a spike in the popularity of the sport, the interest in the sport, since the USA won the gold medal uh, back in February yeah. at the Winter Games. And It if, feels like it spiked the last couple of Olympics. Yeah. And then, like, obviously winning
1: gold. That that happens, right? Like when you when you win a gold medal in any sport, all of a sudden there's more interest in it. And
2: you can like do this on a regular basis if you'd like. This was the Utica Curling Club. They they have curling leagues in Utica, just like bowling leagues. You know, So if you're interested, Seth, they have an open house coming up in October. I can hook you up uh, with a gentleman I worked I, I with. I might have to. His name uh, was uh, Roger Rowlett, a uh, really nice guy. Him and, and his wife, they've been doing this for years, and uh, they're, you know, they help run the Utica Curling Club, right. which, by the way, is in its 150th year. And they, they've got leagues. You can you do it every week if you'd like. Um, so, yes, I didn't mean to bury the lead. We, we do, by the way, have an update on <laughs> Darius Baisley that we get, need to get to uh, at some point. But we begin with SU football. And the depth chart is out. As I mentioned, Dino Babers just wrapped up his, his weekly press conference and got everybody set for the Western Michigan game. Not too many surprises on the depth chart. Three things stood out to me. Number one, I looked at the quarterback position to see if there was an <laughs> and or an or next to the starting quarterback. And to no one's surprise, uh, Eric Dungey is the starter. So that's let's get that and, off the table. And also,
1: to nobody's surprise, Tommy DeVito is, in fact, the clear number two. He's the backup.
2: yeah. Right. And, and I don't think that's shocking at all, as I said. We, we knew going back to last year that it was going to be Eric Dungey as long as he was healthy. Eric Dungey is healthy. He will be the starter. So that's number one. Uh, number two, and, and you pointed this out, this was the first, one of the first things that jumped out to you and and to me as well that they had talked about only using two linebackers, had going, you know, four down linemen, have the two linebackers, and then a nickel package on the field at all times. And according to the depth chart, they're going to go to the, to the more traditional 4-3 defense and have the four defensive backs. Again, that's according to the depth chart. Will they go nickel package maybe a little more than normal? We'll have to see how it plays out on Friday. But to this point, anyway, uh, on the depth chart, uh, they've got a a 4-3 defense. And the other thing that stood out to me is that they've got Antoine Cordy returning punts, which, again, when healthy... He's a guy who, he's a he's a playmaker, uh, he's a difference maker, and Sean Riley was was in that slot going into the spring, coming out of the spring, and Antoine Cordy was considered, you know, the second punt returner. According to the depth chart, Antoine Cordy will get first crack at returning punts on Friday. That doesn't surprise me too much. It doesn't surprise and, and, me, but it's different.
1: Yes, it's different, and, and the reason why I say it doesn't really surprise me they wanted him to have the ball in his hands, right? Like, they they think that Antoine Cordy can be this dynamic player with the ball in his hands, and they wanted him on offense. They wanted him in that, you know, slot position. And he went to Dino Babers and to the coaching staff and said, hey, you know what, not really comfortable with this, not, not feeling this. Uh, let me go back to defense. And so they said, okay, fine, go back to defense. But they want him with the ball in his hands. And we've seen over the course of his career, he intercepts a ball. He picks up a fumble. You know, he can be a guy who, who can make a play and make guys miss. So throwing him out in the punt return game doesn't shock me all that much. You know, and, and I'm thinking about it. When's the? I mean, the last good punt returner they had was Brisley Esteem. But it's not like they've had – it's not like that's been a playmaking position for them, you know, over the last, what, six, seven, eight years uh, other outside of – esteem making plays they haven't had anybody else who's, who's done anything back there so you might as well give it a try if you think
2: he can be that guy for you. you're you absolutely right he's a dynamic player I asked Dino Babers about Antoine Cordy when I sat down with him last week and and you heard his response Seth he said you know it's not your guy's fault meeting the media's fault you think he's good you don't know how good he is right and to your point they want to get him the ball. They want to find ways to have the ball in his hands, that he could be a difference maker. He's certainly a difference maker on defense when he's out there, and this will be one way to, to get him more involved uh, in the game plan. Anything else stand out to you? Those were the three things that stood out to me. Anything else uh, coming out of this, this first press conference and, and out of you know, Dino really. releasing the depth chart? Not really. I mean, you, you look at
1: you, you look at the team and it's Fairly straightforward. I mean, the receivers, we had questions. Who, who's going to be the receivers? Are they going to be consistent? Are they going to be able to step up? It, you you had an idea that it was going to be Devin Butler, Jamal Custis, and probably Sean Riley in that slot position. Uh, you know, he mentioned Nikeem Johnson as a guy who's still banged up, so maybe when he's healthy he gets some reps on the inside, but... I didn't think anything there was too surprising. Uh, Again, the defensive line looks like it should be pretty good this year with Alton Robinson and Chris Slayton and and Kendall Coleman, um, you know, and McKinley Williams and Josh Black there at that nose tackle position. It it looks like a position that could be pretty good and a a group that could be pretty good on that defense. The thing that stuck out to me the most was the linebacker thing. And, like, that's just semantics, isn't it? I mean, you're going to. You're going to play multiple defenses. You're not you're not going to line up in a three wide receiver set every single time. You might line up in four. You're not going to line up in a 4-3 every single time. You might go nickel, you might go dime. It- you know, it's it's a matter of phrasing, almost.
2: And I, and I think we're going to see an awful lot of that nickel package. And, again, if you look at the depth chart, the way that the starters go, the one guy who misses out on a starting role because of the change in formation is Andre Sisco, the true freshman. He was slotted in coming out of the spring as the starter at free safety, but because there's one less defensive back position, again, on the starting depth chart, Cordy takes the free safety position instead of the nickel position, and Cisco will now you know rotate in with that nickel package. But I assume we're going to see it a lot. Cisco's a true freshman. They've got four either true freshmen or redshirt freshmen on the depth chart in that defensive backfield. Uh, Trill Williams is on there. Eric Coley, uh, the the kid who went to FM, he's uh, a redshirt freshman. He's uh, on the depth chart at the strong safety position. Uh, so they've, they've got some, some youth and some talent in the backup spots in the defensive backfield, uh, but a lot of experience to start with Christopher Frederick, Scoop Bradshaw, and of course uh, Antoine Cordy returning. Evan Foster back from a very good freshman year. So up front, I, th- I think they're going to be better, as you pointed out, the-, the line. And I think in the defensive backfield, they're bound to be better. A lot of the same names, but those guys are, are you know a year better and a yeah. year stronger, and they understand the defense that much and, better.
1: And, you know, I went out last week to, to one of the practices, and, and we spoke with the defensive players afterwards and, and spoke to really Antoine Cordy the mo- most of the time. But uh, he pointed out, and somebody had asked him because he had said it earlier, that this is the, uh, the the best defensive backfield that he's been a part of at Syracuse. He thinks this is the best defensive backfield, and it's because of the young guys. And, and he looks at these young guys. He looks at Andre Cisco and, and, and Trill Williams and, and the true freshmen who came in. Obviously, the redshirt freshmen, too, but they've had a year in the system. But the true freshmen who have come in, it seems like he looks at them and says, hey, these guys are talented. These guys are legit. These guys could play. And, like, not only will that make us better, you know, him referring to you know a, t- a top team, but that'll make us you know deeper. And and if somebody goes down, or or if, you know we need to go to more defensive backs, we've got those bodies this year. And, and it seems like you know from those guys, they feel com- more confident in that unit.
2: All right, we're just getting started here on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Boys, it's hot out here, and today's it is not, really hot. Today's not even the hot day supposed to be even worse tomorrow. They're saying heat index uh, above 100 tomorrow and Wednesday. Ooh. We're not here tomorrow. We're actually at the Hotel Syracuse. We're at Shaughnessy's tomorrow, yes, correct? We are. Wednesday we'll be back out here. Uh, today's not even the hot day, but it is toasty already and it's uh, not even 1 o'clock yet, but if you're coming on out to the fair, stop by our booth, say hello. We're right across from Chevy Court, uh, across from Dinosaur Barbecue next to Burn Dairy. If you'd like to check in, give us a call at 315-437-7644. We're going to take our first time out. When we return, our weekend sports anchor from news channel 9, mario sacco will be on he just left dino baber's press conference on western michigan we'll hear what dino had to say that's next keep it here orange nation just getting started on espn radio
0: jumper on the way good Tobias battle nails the
2: three dungy leaps and into the end zone for dungy
1: a touchdown if that's not on every highlight show tonight, then
0: I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for oh, the shot! Ah! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the ten! One man to beat. He'll do it! Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by... They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. Battle. The penetration. Step back. Oh. A pressure
1: bucket for tires battle.
0: This is Orange
2: Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open this entire second hour at 315-437-7644. You can also text us, 315-288-0644. We've got to get to the Darius Baisley update. We'll do so uh, in the next segment, but we continue the SU football talk. The depth chart released for the opener against Western Michigan. Eric Dungy, as expected, listed as the starter. Tommy DeVito will be the backup at the quarterback position. Babers uh, was holding it close to the vest a, a week ago, said he had decided on a starter, wasn't going to make it public. We all knew that Dungy was the guy. Indeed, Dungy will be the starting QB on Friday. Antoine Cordy listed as the starter uh, in terms of punt returning. And for this game, they're gonna, they feel as though they match up better going with the traditional 4-3 defense, uh, matching up with Western Michigan opposed to that, uh, that nickel package. So we'll certainly see more of that nickel package uh, throughout the season. Let's get to some of Dino Babers' uh, comments from his press conference, which uh, wrapped up about an hour or so ago. And, and let's begin with the opponent. Here's what Dino Babers had to say on this matchup with the Broncos from Western Michigan.
0: I see a team that wants to run the football. Uh, they have a tough, tough running back that's very, very good. They have a, an explosive backup tailback that uh, I believe rushed for 100 yards against USC in the opener last year. Uh, big, tough, physical, offensive line, and they want to play a certain style of football. So they're going to come out there and try to run the football, and if we're going to win, we're going to have to find a way to stop it. And this is a team, Seth. You know, He brought up
2: that game against USC. It was a tie game with – seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and then usc had a couple of a long touchdowns and, and ended up winning that game 49 to 31 but it, it, it was tied 28 28 midway through the fourth quarter it's a team that you know gave michigan state a, a a pretty tough game the following week they opened up at usc at michigan state both games were relatively close then they reeled off four in a row were 4-2 and two at the midway mark of the season, and then they just got ravaged by injuries. 22 season-ending injuries last year Western Michigan suffered. And it's a team that's got talent. It's, it's got the capability of, of putting a scare into the Power 5 schools. And, you know, Syracuse is obviously not on the same level right now as, you know, USC and, West, and, and Michigan State. Um, so this, this is going to be a difficult opener. They're, they're going to have to come ready to play. It's a talented team.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this, what, last week, week and a half ago? And, and we talked about how, in a lot of ways, this team sounds similar to Syracuse. Right. They, they they they've got a coach new in its tenure. They've got, you know, a lot of players who got hurt at the end of last season. Uh, you know, they're they're hoping to build on what they did the last two years. It's a team that in a lot of ways sounds similar to, to, to what SU is. And, and I think that they are, uh you know, they're they're a relatively talented team. I think they're a good group of five team. Uh, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it and I'll say it again now not the team I would want to open up with you know not not the not the first team I would want to see right out of the gates when you're a little unsure of where your team has, is at but that's what we're at, right? That's where we're at with this Syracuse program right now. That's the first game on the schedule. We know why the first game was scheduled on the road, because they were unsure uh, of Carrier Dome renovations and timelines and things like that. So y- you've got to live with it. And and Syracuse is going on the road to go face Western Michigan. And I, I certainly think and-, and agree with you, it's going to be a challenge. I, I think Friday night is going to be a challenging game for them.
2: Yeah, ideally, you would like to have the Wagner game first and then go on the road after you've got a game under your belts and-, and shake off the rust a little bit but uh that's not the the hand they've been dealt they got to go out and, and play the hand that they've been dealt and that's a road game to start with and i think that's why vegas has this is a is a relatively close game uh, the point spread you know between five and six points opened up at six it's fluctuated a little bit but it's staying right around that number uh there's a reason this isn't a double digit spread western michigan is at home and, and they've shown they can score a lot of points and they're a pretty good team let's get another one in from coach babers as we talked about uh, it's, it's not the norm for Syracuse to open up on the road first time for a true road game anyway since 2010. Here's Babers on, on hitting the road for week one on a Friday night.
0: It's different for a, for a program of our size to be on the road for the first game is unusual. I'm not sure how many times we've done that here at Syracuse. But I'll tell you this, we've got an experience, experienced enough football team that we should be okay on this. Now, we do have some young players that are in the depth, they're talented, but we've got enough seniors on this football team to that know, knows how to travel that we should be able to do this and, uh, and be okay.
2: 2008, they were on the road at Northwestern. 2006 at Wake Forest. It, it does happen, but again, those were road games against Power 5 schools. You don't often see them go on the road, to take on a, a school that's that's outside uh the power five so it, it is something different um uh, it's an opportunity uh for them to to get a good quality win under their belts to to start the year it's first game for syracuse let's let's keep in mind it's first game for western michigan as well they're gonna have to work out some of the kinks
1: yeah i mean look they're, they're gonna do it this year i think what is it liberty next year who's on the schedule week one uh, i think that's a road game as well they're, they're going on the road again because they didn't know timelines for the building but Uh, I think that at some point, though, this is kind of what you do, right? You've got to schedule this kind of a game anyway, regardless of where it is. You've got to schedule this kind of a game because you want to build up to six wins and you want to get to a bowl game. And, and yeah, you would prefer this game be here in Syracuse and you would prefer this game be in your own building so that you don't have to worry about the travel and the logistics of going on the road and, and playing in a tougher environment. but. Uh, you know, Dino Babers is, is going to talk about experience and, and, you know, mentioning that they've got a lot of guys back, and they do. That means they've all played on the road before, right? They, they've all been through this. They've all, you know, taken the flight somewhere. They've all taken the bus ride from the airport. They've stayed in a hotel. They, you know, they, they've gone through this routine, and, and they kind of get it. So I'm not sure what the big difference is playing a road game versus a road game the first week of the year. I, I would think that the, the routine is more or less the same. Yeah, fly I, out the day before. Get your you know get to the hotel. You're gonna you're gonna be in the hotel all night. You're you're gonna get on the bus at X time the next day to get to the stadium. Like, it's the same routine. It's just that it's week one rather than week seven.
2: Yeah, and it, it is the same routine. And I, I don't think we're making too big of a deal out of it though. In that you know while there is experience on this team, a lot of guys are taking on new roles. And so you, I think you would much prefer to have that first game at home. It's, it's a routine, obviously, for a home game, but you got to go out. you got to play. There's a lot of butterflies to go right. with the first game. And then when you have your feet wet, then I think you'd prefer to go on the road. Just going back through the media guide as we're, as we're talking here, it looks like this is only the fifth time in the last 30 years that they have opened up on the road against a non-Power 5 school. Akron in 2010 uh, was the last time they did it. Uh, BYU was technically a, a non-power five school. That was in 2002. Yeah. They were independent back then. Well, they're uh, independent now. Right? So are they technically or? I don't know. They're not a power five they're school. Not. But again, they're they're a brand name yes. program. Yes. So I'm not even sure that that should be included in the list. But they're they were independent. Uh, Toledo in 1999, and what was the other one? At East Carolina back in 1992. So it's happened. Four times in the last thirty years, this will be the fifth. Okay, doesn't happen all that often.
1: No, and and realistically, like it's not something that should happen all that often, right? It's it, it's something that happens out of necessity, right? You only do this when you're back into a corner and you have to do it. And, and so I don't I don't think that it's something that will happen all that much. Obviously, teams open on the road, somebody has to. But typically, it's power five, power five, or the non power five school going to a power or a neutral five site
2: game, right? And it's not a true road game. Right. Uh, let's get one more in uh, from Dino Babers. Uh, this is Coach on um, what he hopes to get out of this, this trip, how they're treating it, I guess.
0: It's a business trip. We need to go there, and we need to have that type of mind frame. I mean, this is a very good football team. They've, been, uh, they've won the three last. They've had winning seasons the last three years. They've gone to three straight bowl games. They know how to win. We're trying to get, uh, get on some common ground where they've been at, and I think we just need to take a different attitude towards it.
2: The old cliche, Seth. The, that was so cliché. The business yeah. trip. Do they uh, do they get
1: to like put in? Uh, I'm 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 blanking on the
2: word now. Expenses. Do they do they put expense reports in? I thought you were going uh, with with Frank Howard how he, he kept no. saying throughout last year you're going to bring our hard hats with us. I thought that's where you <laughs> thought that's where you're going. No.
1: no. Do they do they have to expense things at the end of the
2: trip? Uh, expense reports are the worst. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. I couldn't remember. Uh, it's a business trip. Bring their hard hats. Got to go out and play. Suits, ties? Yeah. Got to look nice when you go out on the road. Obviously, fact remains though that you know, and we we've looked at the schedule. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Whether or not this was the most important game in the schedule, and I know it's the first one, so I I don't know if you could say it's the most important game. But in terms of setting the tone, and if you win this one, you know you're going to win the Wagner one. You're two and zero with Florida State coming to town. You kind of roll the dice in that game, and you see what happens. This game, I don't know if it's the most important because it's the first one, and there's a lot of football left to be played. This is a very important game. If you want to get to six wins and get to a bowl game, this is one that that better go in the win column, yes?
1: Yes, absolutely. If you want to go to a bowl game, you win this game. You win this game, you beat Wagner, you beat UConn, uh, you you beat UNC when they come to your building, and then you find your other two, right? You find two other wins, whether that is uh, beating like an NC State or beating a BC, I I don't know, but... uh, Th- those are the games that you got to win. I mean, you've got to win those four. You've got to win this. You've got to win at UConn, Wagner, and UNC. Um, and then you find your other two wins to get you bowl eligible.
2: Since I brought it up, what would you say is the most important game on the schedule? Um,
1: I, pr- I mean, I, I probably keep defaulting back to Western Michigan. Right, like I, I keep defaulting back to this Western Michigan one because I feel like, and I, I hate that I have this feeling before the season. I feel like if they lose, we're going to come in Tuesday, and it's going to be the same show from after Middle Tennessee State last year, which was all right. That's it. <laughs> Where's, right? Basketball <laughs> Where's basketball. When's basketball start? Like, let's let's get these guys going. Like, I can't, I can't wait to see Matthew Moyer. Like, hey, let's let's go, right? And and it, like I, I feel like we're doing that. Aren't you? Don't you like? I feel like if if they somehow go out there and lose, like if they don't win that game on Friday night, we're going to come in Tuesday and it's going to be like, all right, there we go, let's get to basketball season.
2: It's a fair point. I have a hard time putting it at the top of the list just because it's the first one. I know that, so much I that I can too, happen after I, that. I do too, but I, I keep coming back to this game by default
1: because I I just have this vision in my head that that if they were to lose, everybody's going to be out. It's a compelling
2: argument. I think that the Connecticut game uh, you can make a strong case for, sandwiched in between Florida State and Clemson, and you, again, assume sure. that you've already got two wins under your belt. That would be the third one. You'd be halfway to bowl eligibility with three-quarters of your schedule to go. Can I,
1: can I throw this out there? So David Hale just tweeted out a thread of, of looking at the games for each ACC team a key game, he says, defining game of the season. A swing game, 50-50 that sets the so- the tone. Or a trap game, should win but could lose. For Syracuse, <laughs> for Syracuse. Western Michigan applies to all of them? <laughs> sure. Uh, but for Syracuse, his key game was NC State at home. His swing game was pit on the road. His trap game was UConn. Right. Uh, just just to throw out another perspective, you know, it, it seems like, you know, that, U- that NC State game seems like one, hey, it's a home game. It, it it feels like maybe that's one you can win, maybe, and and so that seems like an important one. I, I don't know. I keep coming back to Western Michigan,
2: again. Key game. Western Michigan certainly a key game. Is it a swing game? I mean, based <laughs> on is. what you just said, it's a swing game. <laughs> it, is, it sets isn't it, it over the season. And is it a trap game defined as a game you should win but could lose? It's a trap I game. Think Western yes. Michigan, it is falls all into all three of those categories. We need to take a timeout again. Full lines open the rest of the way at 315 437 76 Coming to you live from the great New York State Fair. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Ponte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Coming to you live from the State Fair. We're right across from Chevy Court next door to the Dairy Building. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. We're going to take a break from the SU football talk. We have to talk about this, Seth. And before the show, you were like, really? Do we really have to talk about this? Yes, we need to talk about this. So Darius Baisley, as we all know, Decommitted from Syracuse right after the McDonald's All-American game. Said he was going to the G League. We went on the radio, gave all the reasons why we thought it was a bad idea for him to go to the G League. Right. Well, Darius Baisley is no longer going to the G League. Darius Baisley informing the Athletic today that he is going to train by himself. He is going to school. He's going to take some classes at a business school out in Los Angeles. And he is going to get himself ready for the NBA draft. He doesn't need the G League. And all the reasons, I don't want to say all the reasons, many most of, the of the reasons, reasons he, gave. he gave were the reasons that we pointed out the day that this happened. Yes. Most Your thoughts.
1: Well, it took him a while to figure out what everybody else figured out right away. Um, I I have a bit of a devil's advocate scenario here for you because everybody's going to look at this, and everybody has been looking at this, saying, well, he probably got some bad information, right? Right. Like that's probably the answer, the reaction that everybody has. Um, he probably went and got some bad information. He'll go to the G League. Everything will be fine.
2: I don't and, know. Can, let me stop you right there. I don't know if I feel as though he got bad information. I think he got poor advice and maybe sure. didn't think it completely through. Okay, but it, okay. So to me, that's that's in the same in okay. the same category.
1: And so I'm 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 thinking about the new college rules that let that will allow players to have agents and eventually high school kids to have agents right is it possible and and uh, i i only kind of believe this play again playing devil's advocate is it possible that he made up his mind and said i'm not going to syracuse i'm not going to college and then signed with the agent and then was talking it through and was like wow what a terrible idea whereas under the new rules he would have had he would have been allowed to have contact with the agent would have been out, allowed to talk it through, might have figured out, hey, this is a terrible idea, don't do it, and then he ends up coming to school. I don't know that that, I mean, there's no way to know what would have happened and if he would have still gone to the G League and, and still done this whole thing. But, I, I you know, I kind of wonder if, if this is a scenario where, with the new rules, allowing an agent to talk to you, maybe he would have been better off.
2: Well, he would have to cut ties with said agent. Right. Um, which, again, you're, so you're saying that, is it possible it, he the he outcome ca- would have been different?
1: Yes. Is it possible that he came out like the week before the uh, the all American game, he's thinking, Hey, I'm not going to Syracuse, I'm leaving, I'm going to the G League, I want to get paid, I want to play professionally, I don't want to go to school, I don't want to fake my way through classes, whatever it might have been. And he made that decision and then signed with the agent. The agent was like, Dude, this is a terrible idea. Like, don't do this. The G League doesn't care about you. The G League doesn't want you there. Teams don't want to don't don't really care about player development who aren't in their system, and like it won't work out for the best. But at that point, he's stuck, and
2: he's already signed with the agent. Is it possible? I would say it is possible. I think your scenario was highly unlikely. So you're oh, basically you're basically saying he didn't get the true advice from the agent until after right. the decision was made
1: because he wasn't quote unquote allowed
2: I- to do that. No, I don't think that happened. I think what happened was he talked to his inner circle and they were like, Yeah, go. Yeah, you're so good. Like, you go. Like, right. everything's going to work out. You can get paid. Why would you go to school and, you know, play for free when you can go here and you can make 35 grand or whatever it is? You can make endorsements and, you know, your stock's going to be the same. Like, what does it matter? Like, you don't want to go to school anyway. You can become a professional. You can, you know, you can be the first to do it. You can be a trendsetter. Go do this. And I think he was intoxicated by the idea of being the first and blazing his own path. And I know I'm going to do this. Everything's going to work out. And then I think he went to various camps this summer and played against high-level talent, both around his age and older guys, and did not play well and said, hmm. And maybe his agent said, hmm, (laughs) this isn't a great idea. You're going to go to the G League. Your game is not ready. You are going to struggle. And your stock is going to plummet. And this way, it keeps the mystery of well, he was a, right. a lottery pick before, a projected lottery pick. He went. He spent the whole year working by himself. He's going to be a lottery pick next year. I think this is all about protecting his stock.
1: Oh yeah, it, it has to be at this point. I mean, listen to this quote, and, and uh, I think this is. A, I think this is kind of what you're saying, right? Uh, he says, quote, training with professional players like Miles, seeing what hard work really is. Man, I used to think that I work hard, but then coming out here, working out two a days, and your body is aching and you have to keep grinding, keep going. It's been an experience. It's taken me a while to get used to it. But the fun part, uh, but it's fun to be put in environments with greatness. You know, I, I, I think that it, like to your point, he thought he was ready. He thought he worked hard. He thought he was at this point, And. Now he's working out with Miles Bridges, and he realizes, hey,
2: maybe not. And you see some of the quotes uh, in this article uh, at The Athletic, and and you should go check it out because it's a a good read. Um, You know, he says things about the G League has lost its value, and basically, I don't need the G League. To me, those things sound like excuses, and, you know, I'm better than this, Um, and I don't expect him to come out and say I made a mistake because if he comes out and says he made a mistake, then you know maybe scouts are going to be like, hmm, right. you know maybe this kid isn't as, as good as everybody thinks he is, and maybe his stock would take a hit because of that. So I don't expect him to come out and say I screwed up. I should have gone to college. But when I read this story and I read those quotes, you know I take pride in my decision. There like are no regrets.
1: The G League is the only league where winning might not be everything. Development is the most important aspect, and then a little bit further down, I've never been brought up that. Uh, for me, in those settings, to just get mine, I've never been brought up that way. I feel basketball's a team, a team
2: sport, right? He's trying to paint this like I made a mistake, but and and these these comments, they they feel like excuses and they feel like a way yeah. to almost boost him up. Well, I'm a team player; I can't right. play in the G League. It's all about getting mine. You know, he talks about the two way contracts and about how you know his opportunity might not be there. Which we like we said that like, right off. He's the bat. right. Right, I mean, right. He's he's not. The wrong. Team's not going to be invested into developing him because. The organization is is not necessarily going to have them the following year. I think the Jazz own the number one pick in the G League. They do. Are the Jazz going to be the worst team in the NBA next year and have the number one pick or you no. know, have a lottery pick? Charlotte no. Hornets have picks two and three. Are they
1: going to take a guy who is not going to be there the next year? No,
2: probably right. not. And you're not going to try to develop him. So basically everything we talked about when this whole thing went down came up again today. And Darius basically saying, just kidding, I'm going to go work out on my own, and By the way, I'm going to take some classes, and I'm going to get an endorsement deal, and I'm still going to be a lottery pick.
1: Should point out, this has happened a couple of times. Uh, I mean, Brandon Jennings went and played in Italy, so a little bit different. Uh, Moutier played in China. Uh, but Dante Exum, who went and and uh, ended up as a lottery pick, uh, didn't play professionally, didn't go to college, and, and ended up, uh, you know a lottery pick uh this year Terrence Ferguson uh did it, uh, went and played professionally uh Mitchell Robinson went and played uh went and dropped out of school he got picked in the second round uh but the point being like there there are guys who have done something like this not that I think it's a good idea not that I think it's a smart idea and that whatever exposure and whatever coaching you get at Syracuse is probably going to be better than whatever you get in a side gym with Uh, You know the the coach that you're going to hire, right?
2: Yes, but I will say this about the other guys and everybody's circumstances are different. But Jennings and A in particular, there were some eligibility concerns with those guys. Yes, Dante. I think Exum too. Dante Exum. I mean, he's from Australia. I know that he spent time with the national team down there, so it's not like he was twiddling his thumbs doing nothing. He was playing. And and Basley's going to do that too. Basley's going to play with the USA team. Well, he's not going to play in the national team. Exum was on the like the. Well, no, the no, no, US, no. You know, the Jeff U.S. Fingon, version well,
1: of... Team USA has a team that they're throwing out there for qualifiers right now, and apparently he's playing he's with them. He's practicing okay. with them.
2: That's different. And my point yeah. is, Exum was playing high level. Like, he was on the team down there, and he was part of their national program and national team. Yes, you're right. Baisley's practicing with the team. To me, that's not the same thing, whereas these other guys, you know, Jennings and Moutier, they were playing they were in a meaningful games, right? They were, and, and, and Baisley's not doing that. And... You know, you wonder, you know, he even talks in the article about, oh, it'll be easy for me to go down the wrong path if I wasn't so mature and I'm, you know, mature beyond my years. And I mean, this kid is going to have to stay motivated. His agent's going to have to stay on. This is going to be a challenge for him not to have a structured environment. Not to be part of a team, not to be, you know, going to, to classes. I know he's going to take some courses, but this is this is not going to be a structured environment for him. He's going to have to be awfully motivated to stay focused for that year, not playing meaningful basketball, at, you know, to continue to improve. Because, again, all of all of the experts that saw him play over the summer said this kid needs to improve his game is not ready. Right. So, in any event. The whole point I bring this up is, number one, it's an update on this story that we spent so much time on. But number two, you know, every once in a while it's okay for us to say, you know, we were right about something. I think you and I could say we were well, right about we're, this. Well, because
1: we're wrong a lot. So. You more than me. Well, whatever. But okay. we're
2: wrong a lot. So I think it's more fun when you're right. To yes. Like point and nine. this was so obvious that it's it's frustrating that this kid didn't see all these, you know, potential roadblocks along the way. You got a text. Uh,
1: yeah, text. Um, Orange fan should be uh, should breathe a sigh of relief that Baisley ended up moving on from the program. Poor advice, bad decisions,
2: whatever it may be, the kid would have been a headache from the minute he stepped on campus. I can't disagree with that. I can't disagree with that. I know he's a talent, and I know you want the best players on your team. Um, if you're an SU fan, or the the coaches for that matter, I think you feel pretty darn good with what you have right now. And the way that this kid has handled the perception anyway, the perception is this kid was going to be a headache. And, uh, you know, sometimes you are better off with the, you know, the bad apples. I know he's super talented, but sometimes you are better off without a guy like that on your team.
1: Yeah, it seems like he is. It's, it seems like Syracuse is in this case. It seems like they won.
2: alright one five four we We're going to take another time out. We're back with today's business right after this on ESPN Radio.